Hey there, girlies, guys, gays, and theys. Welcome to this week's episode of Self-Aware Not Stable. I'm your somewhat friendly neighborhood host, Mars, and let's get right into the episode. So I'm not going to make this intro super long as I typically do because I know a lot of y'all probably click out before I even get to the point of this of the podcast episode. But today's podcast episode is going to be about mental health and the black community. Now, I will caveat this and say I am speaking from my experience and the experiences my friends have shared with me. So this is not to say that other people of color and their cultures do not deal with or identify with the same struggles and barriers as I do, but I just simply cannot speak on those because I'm not in those cultures. So I'm not Hispanic, I'm not South A- um, South Asian or Southeast Asian, so I can't speak on it from their standpoint because I'm not them, you know, but I don't want anybody to take this as like, well, I deal with that too and I'm Indian or I deal with that too and I'm, I'm Hispanic. Like I'm pretty sure this is a issue amongst all like people of color, amongst all those sort of cultures. But I can't speak on all those because I am not from those cultures. Does that make sense? And I'm going to talk a little bit, probably a lot of it, because that's what the episode is about. My journey with mental health, what mental health means to me, where I started, where I am now, and how my family portrays mental health to be or how it seems to them and how they react to it, their takes on it kind of the feedback that I've gotten both explicit and implicit and how that affects me even now in my mental health journey. So if you haven't or couldn't tell by the past three episodes, I am in therapy. (laughs) I've been in therapy since I think the first day I met her was like January 7th, something like that. So I've been in therapy for just about five months this coming uh, Friday. I see her on Fridays. So I've been in therapy, like true therapy, like insurance, licensed therapist sort of thing since January. I've never been one to be negative about therapy. I'm just like, honestly, everybody in the world needs therapy because everybody has a little bit of something wrong with them. Like nobody is perfect. Like everybody could benefit from therapy. And I stand on that statement hardcore. So in college obviously you know most colleges have like they typically call them like a counseling center so I went there a couple times not on a very consistent basis probably like I would say two months or less and then I just kind of got I wouldn't say bored but I just ended up having no interest in going anymore once I kind of felt okay I guess and both times that I went it was because I was having relationship quote unquote issues with my ex and I just needed somebody to bounce off of that wasn't my friends because my friends were not helpful and yeah that's pretty much why I went let's look back to January of this year I was in a very low place for a number of different reasons but I want to backtrack a little bit further into my mental health to kind of I guess get a little bit more background and kind of give you a timeline of what I've actually been doing dealing with and how long I've been dealing with it so and I just normally just don't acknowledge it even now and still I struggle to acknowledge it but that's something we're working on so back in the earliest I can probably remember as far as like dealing with I would, what I would probably consider now looking back retrospectively mental health issues or like budding problems would be high school I was bullied in high school who wasn't if you were not let me know in the comments on apple podcasts but i was bullied in high school for just about 
I would probably say like the basic things and I hate to say that because it makes it sound so normal but unfortunately it is so I got bullied because I was like an Oreo I acted really white I came from a white school the middle school I went to was predominantly white it is now predominantly black but at the time it was predominantly white and the high school I was supposed to go to was also predominantly white now predominantly black but at the time was predominantly white and even my my elementary schools were predominantly white but that's most of the country you know that's just the world we live in unless you're in a in a borough or in a very concentrated neighborhood that is mostly african-american or hispanic or whatever your nationality or ethnicity is you know so i never really had issues in elementary school that i can think of middle school i did get bullied uh, had issues. My relationship issues and boy issues started in middle school. And coincidentally, the the male, the boy that gave me issues and started all these issues with girls not liking me and like, blah, blah, had the same first name as my most recent ex in high school. I just called my ex by his middle name. I, I don't really call him by his first name, but their first names are both the same. So I was like, isn't that a coinciding? But middle school kind of started for me with being bullied because of my hair, because of my eyebrows because of how I dress, blah, 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 like, you know, all that sort of stuff. When I got to high school, it was kind of still the same thing, but it was like, oh, you act so white. Oh, you think you're better than everybody else because you came from, you know, X, Y, and Z school. Like, we don't play that here. We don't give a fuck, blah, blah, blah. And some of this, uh, and a lot of this, I would say came from my teammates on the cheerleading team, like not volleyball, not track. I did those sports as well in high school. Like they were not like that. It was just my teammates and we were a small team it was nine of us in total by my senior year I think maybe even eight by my senior year but they were just they were just mean like for no and like they're still they've grown up to just be pretty mean girls I'm not even gonna lie to you like they're they're when I look at them on Instagram and social media I'm just like look how the turns have tabled because you look a fucking mess okay like karma came back and bit you in the ass but that's none of my business I do my due diligence I don't you know I don't wish bad about nobody but I got bullied because of you know, thinking I guess I was better than everybody. And then I would, when I would try to stand up for myself and they would call me out or make fun or pick at me, then it was, oh, she thinks she, you know, she thinks she bad. Oh, you're not going to stab me. Like, nothing. like, why do I have to fight? Why do I have to resort to physical violence for me to stand my ground? Why can't you just leave me alone? I'm listening to my music. Yeah, I'm the boss to the football game. And you're just blatantly bothering me, like making fun of me when your man is fucking on your teammate. And that's supposed to be your best friend. Like, you have bigger issues to worry about, love. Okay? But, you know, petty stuff like that. High school stuff. And I was made fun of because of, like, like I said, my eyebrows, my hair. My ex was a big contingent to why I got bullied uh, by, like, specific girls because he was cheating on me all the time. But let him tell it. He will say, it wasn't cheating because we weren't even really together in high school. I wasn't even dating you. Yes, we were ask anybody in high school there were points in times where we were actively dating and you were actively cheating but you can gaslight if you want to because you know that's what men do that's all they're good for what else are they good for nothing because they can't fucking build a house they can't build a box so they just have to gaslight okay I was bullied because I didn't have a body I didn't have a butt like I was on the cheerleading team you know like high school movies like oh they're the popular girls which for most intents and purposes I would say my teammates were relatively popular especially with like the other athletes like the basketball players and like the football players and blah 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 but I was a teammate but I wasn't like a teammate 
you know, like I wasn't invited to parties that they would go out to on the weekends. Like if they were talking with the guys, like I was just like there, like, you know, like the standing emoji, like the girl that's just like standing, like that's literally how I was. They like one of my teammates, I'll never forget this. We were walking down to the football field for a game and it was, it's kind of like a hill from the back of our high school down to the field, as I would assume most high schools are because it's on a downward slope. And she literally like was, I was in front of her. I was walking, carrying my bags and stuff cheer bag duffel along with my backpack got a lot of stuff to carry here and she was like why are you walking like that why are you walking with your hips tucked? And I'm like you look so funny and I'm just like girl I'm walking to the football field what made you think like what was the point in you pointing that out like what did you gain from that to get your other friends to laugh at me and make me feel insecure because I'm literally walking downhill and trying not to like topple over from the amount of books that I have okay I guess whatever yeah she now is just like an Instagram model and sells shoes it was just little things like it was my appearance my high school was not traditional style cheer it was stop and shake so it took me two years to make the team because I was transitioning from only knowing traditional to a whole new genre of cheer which is it's a completely different world and you know I got made fun of because like I didn't have a butt or I didn't shake right and I'm just like newsflash back then none of us had butts except for like one solid teammate and she still has one to this day, okay? Because she's just always been thick, okay? But I'm like, who can't, like, who gives a fuck, okay? I know I'm not popular. Like, I know I don't fit in with you guys. Like, yes, I'm your teammate. But, like, we would sometimes go to, I guess you would call, like, an early dinner before the games if they were, like, home games. And they would go out. It's, like, just some of the restaurants around, around like, the school. And I was never actively invited, like, they would be making plans, like, right in front of my face, like, oh, we're going to go here. Like, oh, we're going to go to the Chinese spot, blah, blah, blah. And, like, it wasn't like, hey, you know, Mars, like, you want to ride with us? Like, you want, like, what do you want to eat? Like, I was always an afterthought. And that feeling trickles from a young age. But that was a, that was a big pinpoint in my high school career was, like, I was just always an afterthought. I was always made fun of for something, like, whether it was my appearance, whether it was something that I did something that I didn't do the dumbest stuff like literally the dumbest stuff and obviously it bothered me but I always kept busy and this is to my detriment I really don't know where this came from so I cannot tell you and I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out in therapy which leads me to the point I'm actually going to put this in my therapy notes to talk to her about (laughs) on Friday that's something I'm going to add because I have always been a busybody I've always been into something I have this thing and I feel like my dad kind of has it too I swear me and him are carbon copies with some slight differences here and there there's a there's like I can't like I can be still and I can just exist but I always feel like there's something I could be catching up on there's something I could be doing like if I'm genuinely not doing something and just like relaxing or watching you know, YouTube or Netflix or whatever. I think if I get to that point, it's because I'm so burnt out that like, I don't have the functional capacity to find something to do, even though I know there are things that I could be doing. Like I can't, I can't get past it because I've just been on go for so long. And that's how I was in really starting in high school. I didn't do many sports. I didn't do any sports in middle school, actually, or any like extracurricular things. So this really kind of started in high school, but I, it probably showed in middle school and elementary school too in different ways, to be quite honest. If I wasn't at practice, I was at school. If I wasn't at school, I was at work. If I wasn't at practice, I was at a game. If I wasn't at a game, I was at work. If I wasn't at work, I was at home taking a nap before work. Like I am always on the go. So fast forward to college, I keep, I keep the same energy, right? We're taking 17 hours, like 17 hours was a normal 
semester for me. I did that. I found a job on campus almost immediately from sophomore year until senior year. I had two jobs, a sport, and I had a membership role in that sport. So I was also VP and then president once my my president slash friend that founded the club uh, graduated on top of being a teammate on the team. I always have many breakdowns. I'm to the point where, and I tell my therapist this and I tell everybody this, like I'm so burnt out that I don't know what not being burnt out feels like. Like I don't know what normal feels like. And so if somebody were to ask me like, yeah, people are like, oh, how are you doing today? Like I just autopilot say, I'm fine, I'm good. But like the thing is like, I'm I'm neutral. Like I'm, I don't know. But like, I can't just tell you like, uh, I'm here. Cause I'm like, oh, well, you know, at least you're alive, at least you're working, you're making some money. Like, no, I want to just exist. I'm so tired of working. I've been working nonstop since I was 16 years old and I'm going to keep working until I fucking die. And I'm already over it and I'm only 23. I'm tired. Well, you're too young to know what tired is. How the fuck are you going to tell me how to feel? I didn't know you had to be a certain age to feel tiredness, to feel stress. Tell telling that to a fucking newborn. Oh, you're too young to be tired as they're sleeping because they're obviously tired. Like I didn't, that, that phrase bothers me so much. And like people like boomers and Gen Z, like not Gen Z, sorry, Gen X and millennial, they're so serious. They're like, you don't know what it means to be tired. I worked 60 hours a week and came home to take care of a kid and like then had a second job. Well, good for you that you worked yourself to death and now you're on 12 medications because you worked yourself to death and you're already dying and you're like 75. Good for you. I don't want to live that life. That's not the life for me. But like, who the fuck are you to tell me? You're too young to be tired. You don't know what stress is. Um, would you like to come live in my shoes? Would you like to come live a day in my life? You will think differently. College is when I started having like mini breakdowns. It's like I called my mom all the time and I always thought I was not going to be that person. But that was me. Called her almost every day, multiple times a day. And we just like chit chatted. But there would be these these spans of time where I would just be down. Sometimes it would be for reasons, sometimes it'd be for multiple reasons, or sometimes I would just wake up and I would just feel like shit. Like I would just feel heavy AF and the weather didn't make it any better. I'm pretty sure I have SAD, but I haven't brought that up to Holly Girl yet, my therapist, because we're not in that season yet. So I just, I don't need any more DSM-5 diagnoses right now because we're like going down a rabbit hole, which I mean, all of them are valid. Like I hit all the points for them, which is just like, but they're like just they're just all like rapid fire coming at me at once and I'm just like shit maybe if I stop mentioning stuff I'll stop being diagnosed and I won't have to deal with it because I won't have a diagnosis for it but I know that's not healthy so I probably will continue to get them until I figure out what the hell is going on but like whether well, it didn't make it any better either so like that didn't help but there they could last from anywhere from like a couple hours to a couple days same like the whole week and the biggest trigger for me and like still is is finances I am in debt, so much debt, a thick, juicy load of debt. Okay, and you're probably like, well, isn't everybody? Yes, yes, they are. But if I told you the amount of debt I have in credit cards alone at 23, you'd be like, bitch, what the fuck did you do? Like, what do you have to show for it? And of course, that is nobody's fault but my own. So like, you know, I'm boohooing on myself because I'm just like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, I can't reverse it now. But she like her, my mom's famous line is, you can be sad right now, but don't wallow in it forever. Like, don't stay sad after a while. You're choosing to be sad. And in my head, I was like, no, I'm not. Like, I literally want to be over. Like, I'm tired of like sulking and being sad and like not having the energy to talk and not having the energy to like literally just exist in this fucking world and do the bare fucking minimum. But 
I like I can't like there's something that is stopping me and then I would get to a point where things just start to kind of level off and go back to neutral or like look up a little bit and how I explain this to my therapist and I think it explains it really well is I don't know what normal feels like because I've been burnt out for so long and on autopilot for so long that like when people are like, oh, like today was like a, you know, good day. Like I did this and I did this, like nothing too exciting, but like nothing was bad, you know, but like it was, it was an okay day. Like it was good. Like, I don't know what that is for me. Like, I don't know what that looks like in my mind and in my head. Like I can, like other people say they have that, you know, they have those days where it's just like, it's just neutral. Like it wasn't over the moon like fantastic but it also wasn't like shitty terrible everything that ever in life could be terrible happened to me but it was just like it was just for most intents and purposes a pretty good day like I don't know what that looks like I don't know what that means in my head like I can't formulate and put together a day where like if somebody genuinely asked me how was your day was it a good day that I could genuinely respond and be like yeah like it was a good day because I start to pinpoint out all the micro points in my day that were like shitty, but good, but kind of like meh, but like this was also shitty. And this was like, you know, thumbs up, you know, I, I, I start to pinpoint all the things, but I can't add them together to really decide, okay, for all intents and purposes, this, this was a pretty good day. Like there are, there are moments, but I can't put all that into one bubble and be like, this is the sum of all the micro points of my day that are made the day good, bad, or neutral or like normal, I should say. And I'm still struggling with that. Like, I, I don't know what that looks like, which is so frustrating. And, you know, going through college, I had many a mental breakdowns. And, you know, my parents are always like, I think as most parents are, you know, you can come to me for anything. Like, always feel free to talk to me. And my dad's that way too. But I think my dad is more like that because we're not close in that way. Like, my, me and my mom are in that way. And even that has become really strained over the past couple of years. In my personal opinion, she would probably have a different tune to that, but who cares? I'm not asking her, but I think he just says that because he wants to be there and he wants to help, but his way of helping often makes it worse for me. And now I know why, because I do have a diagnosis. It makes more sense now as to why I'm just like, one, you're not helping. And two, homeboy goes off into tangents for like hours. And I'm just like, babes, if I called you to talk about my day and I didn't want you to respond, I just wanted to vent. Why are you now trying to fix everything? I didn't actually do that. I said, I'm going to figure it out like I always do, but I just wanted to vent. And then here he comes with money to help pay for my bills or, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll talk with your mom. And it's like, no, I didn't actually do that because now mom is going to come back to me being like, well, why are you always calling your dad for stuff? Why are you always asking him for money? You need to start being more self-sufficient. It's like, I am, but I'm literally drowning. It is my fault. And I take full responsibility for that. I never don't take full responsibility for that, you know, but I'm trying my best. Now, if I were to default on everything and keep going into overdraft and just being like, oh, well, it is what it is, which is also a very famous saying of my dad. You can do the most of what you have, but it's like, no, babes. That's not how the banks, it's not how the world works. The shit keeps going. And I refuse to let my shit go into overdrafts. And when you, because then if I tell them that, they're like, well, why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you ask for help? Because when I do, I get yelled at or I get berated or I get a lecture as you're trying, you're begrudgingly handing me the money to pay for my bills as if I didn't really try and attempt to budget it in but it just didn't fit like it, it it didn't fit on the list like something as simple as gas I want to budget in gas but I'm not getting the hours I told I was going to get for work so I I physically cannot put gas in my budget 
as well as bills. It's either or. And best believe I'm not going to let a, a credit card bill go past due because I put fucking gas in my car. You've got to be getting me. So go through college, have these things. And my mom was just like, stop being sad. Like there would, there would be plenty of times where I would call her. She'd be like, if you're going to sound like this all day, or you're going to sound like, you know, you are the elephant and you're going to sound all sad. You're not going to bring my mood down. So I don't really want to talk to you. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. This is like the third day you call me and you sound like this. I don't want to deal with it. So when you decide to smile and be happy and look at the positives, then we can talk. And like, that would be the end of the conversation. And I'm just like, why the actual fuck would you say that to me? And then she would get upset when I would hang up on her because who wants to hear that? Like I'm choosing to be sad. Newsflash, I'm not, but I can't change your mind because that's just how you, that's how you feel. Okay. And your feelings are wrong, but I can't change how you feel. So first huge mental breakdown was when I cheated on my ex in my freshman year of college. Not going to go into that story. There's really not much to it, but you know, I was still madly and deeply in love with this man and I felt like shit and went to counseling for the first time at my school. Not for very long, but I went. Many a mental breakdowns later, you know, in my dorm, crying in the shower and getting back out, sucking it up and doing my homework or cooking and getting in the bed. That's kind of like the two options I normally did. <laughs> the The second I would consider like huge mental breakdown was the spring, not the spring, the fall semester of my senior year. And that whole chunk of time was just nothing made me happy. Like, like I never really felt genuinely happy for it a consistent amount of time. Like it got so bad to the point where my ex, who was my boyfriend at the time, came down to visit me. Cause I was like, I just like, I was like, I need some familiarity before I literally yeet myself off the top of the fucking building. Like I, I just need to like not do anything for a weekend, for a couple of days. Like I need somebody to just like hug me and tell me it's going to be okay. Even though I know it's not, but like, I just need somebody to lie to me and be delusional. <laughs> worst idea like I had a good time but the thing is like I hate people in my space and if y'all know how dorms are they're already not huge so I lived in apartment style my last three years so like there was a common area like a living room in the kitchen and then we all had our separate rooms so obviously he stayed cooped up in my room all day so I would leave in the morning to go to class come back he would still be there obviously he didn't have me anywhere to go <laughs> but like he would be there now like I would just get more agitated than actually thankful that he was there because I'm just like you're still fucking here like you're in my space and it's like I want you here but his idea of like trying to help me and be helpful is like physical touch like his like his love language is physical touch mine is not that's actually the lowest one on my love languages so like it would bother like he would get upset and then not want to talk to me because I'm just like don't like I don't need you hovering over me. I don't need you hugging me, kissing on me unless I initiate it. Because if you're doing it to me and you can already tell like I'm not in that sort of mood or like I'm not really receptive to it, it's gonna piss me off. And then you're gonna be pissed off that I'm pissed off because you're trying to give me attention. But like, that's not the attention that I'm wanting and I'm seeking right now. Like I just need you to exist and just be here with me in the space. Like for me, quality time could be us being in the same space and I'm doing work on the computer and you're watching TV or you're doing your own work. Like that to me, for most intensive purposes, is enough. For me, I consider that quality time. He did not. Many of, the, many of platforms where we did not see eye to eye. I just, I don't know. It was just this really weird point and my sorority was getting on my nerves. I was getting in trouble for every little thing. I had no desire to be at any of the events. I didn't want to go to chapter. Everything felt like a chore. 
getting up felt like a chore, going to class felt like a chore, having to study get felt like a chore, having to go to work. And, you know, I'm basically customer service for all sorts of purposes. I'm the first person they see, like having to interact with these fucking students that don't know what's going on in their own university. It was just so draining. Like I would just be mute for most days unless I had to. And then if I had to, I was just masking. Like I would just do, I would try to do the bare minimum to get through the day. And even that was exhausting having to just put on a mask all the time because it's just like, oh my God, like I know you can tell from my body language and my face that I don't want to talk. Okay, here you are trying the whole conversation with me. And I was just like, this is just, I'm exhausted all the time. And like nobody understands because everybody thinks they're like, oh, like it's school. Like you're going to be so I'm like, no, it's not school. Like it's really not. Like I'm just mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted all the time. And I'm never getting properly rested in any of those areas to feel like I can wake up and take on the world. I just have to do it on autopilot every fucking day, whether I want to or not, because the world doesn't stop for me. Shit doesn't stop for me. Then I got a job at a cheer gym, which is no longer open. Basically, that was a whole other stressor because I wanted to cheer again. And as you guys know, or if you don't know, all-star cheer is not for the weak and it is not for the broke. I was not weak, but I was broke. And my dad footed the entire bill. Again, forever grateful. And he did it because he knew this is, this was something I really wanted to do and I never had the chance to do in high school because we couldn't, we just simply couldn't afford it, you know? And so he did whatever he could to afford it for me. And again, forever grateful and appreciative. And I feel like sometimes my parents think I'm not, but I really am. So did that and that was a stressor, stressor in and of itself because of Again, the finances, not the practices, not the late nights. Like I know that comes with the job. That comes with most sports. So that wasn't a stressor for me. But it was the fact that I had to ask my dad at my big ass age to be like, hey, our uniform's $500. Like I need that by blah, blah, blah. And, you know, feeling so shitty because I couldn't contribute anything myself. Not that I didn't want to. It's because I literally couldn't. But he knew how bad I wanted it. So... He tried to do, and he tells me this all the time, like, I'll try to alleviate whatever I can from you as long as I know that you're trying your hardest and you're taking care of what you can take care of with what you have. And then that job progressed into me basically running the entire facility by myself because the owner, without telling, you know, his customers and the little bit of staff he did have that, like, he really just wasn't into it anymore, anymore, and, like, his heart wasn't in it, he just stopped showing up. And that was stressful in and of itself. And from that... And I think even before that, like when I started the stress of me having so many different hats on top of what I was originally hired for, which was for marketing. And then I did want to be a coach. I've always wanted to be a coach. So he did give me that title as well. But things just started gradually growing as he figured that like, oh, Mars is going to do it. Or I know Mars will do it if I ask her, which was my fault because I wanted to just like grow in the sport so badly that like I did, I couldn't say no because I, I knew if I said no, nobody else would do it, including him. Which, which shouldn't be my problem, but, you know, that's just how I, I thought. I started in June 2020 and quit in October 2021. And I started pulling out my eyelashes. And it got to a point where, like, my, my teammates were noticing and they were like, Mars, stop touching your eyelashes. Like, stop pulling out your eyelashes. You're not going to have any. And from, I would say, a couple of months before I quit up until March of this year. So probably I would say from like July, 2021 to 
March 2022, I was pulling them out religiously and unconsciously. Like I would just be minding my business and I would just be fiddling with them. And my mom would be like, do you even have any eyelashes left? Stop touching your eyelashes. You need to stop pulling them out. And I was like, and I did my eyebrows too, but like not as bad. Like there would be points in times where I would have little bald spots in my eyelash in my eyebrows because I would pull at a certain area, but I, ne- I didn't pull at them as heavily and as constantly as I did my eyelashes. And I fully am convinced that it came from the stress of working and being at the gym. And it got to a point where my right eye, which is still still trying her best to grow back, had no lashes in the middle none towards the end so like when you looked at me I feel like a normal person probably wouldn't really think too much of it and wouldn't really notice but when I looked in the mirror there were huge gaps in my lashes because I was pulling them out with my fingers with tweezers and since I was pulling them some of them would break off and so they would then proceed to stab me in the eye and I would pull them out because then they were bothering me because I broke them off it was even worse when I would like put on false lashes for like competitions because I was like I don't even have to blend my lashes anymore because I don't fucking have any. And that's when I knew it got to a point where I was like, I need to stop pulling them out. Now we moved to January of this year, 2022. After I quit in October, I basically was doing Instacart to survive. Not feasible, not feasible. Great for extra cash, but not feasible to try to pay sometimes upwards of $1,000 worth of bills in a month when everything solely depends on people ordering their fucking groceries on nap somehow I made it work but not without a lot of fucking stress a lot of I don't want to get up today and do it but I know I have to because I got x y and z coming out and all that jazz so I got to a point where I was like I was like just down in the dumps all the time because of my finances and because I was like this is what my life has come to I don't have a career I don't have a job in my field I'm still living at home Granted, we were in a pandemic, so I should have been feeling this way. No, but that's how I felt. And that's kind of still how I feel, but we're working on it. December is when I went to go see Jackson. And in the midst of December, between less than a month, so it was really three weeks, between me going to see him and me sending the messages that I sent during cheer sport weekend, which was like January 14th. That's the exact date, actually. It's ingrained in my memory forever. I now had another layer of of sadness because I was like this man played me and he used me and he used me hard and he looked me dead in my eyes when I was there and said he would never do that to me he was like I started talking to you out of the blue after six years like nothing ever happened like why would I you know why would I do that and I called it do I because I self-sabotage and I was like oh I might need to block you because like you know you might be on your nigga shit and you might try to ghost me afterwards and he was like why would I do that like I wouldn't do you like that proceeded to do me like that hard as fuck but I never told my mom that because I didn't want her she wouldn't have said I told you so but she I know her and I know her expressions and I know her looks and she would have been like you slept with this man one why are you just sleeping with men out of the blue that you don't even I don't want to say one don't know but like why are you giving it up that easy because it's my pussy and I can't okay it's none of your fucking business I don't need your lectures I don't need your opinions because I could talk about your sex life from when you know you were young out of the things you told me but I don't because that's you, boo. I ain't gonna do with that, right? So she doesn't know to this day. And I hope she never finds out because I just, she doesn't need to know. So that was another layer added that I couldn't tell because it wasn't a safe space for me to tell and still isn't. So it was like finances and feeling like a failure, 
feeling like I'm not living anywhere in life on top of this man using me and I really cared for him and I still do. Again, go listen to that episode. It's the episode before this if you want more details and a, and a deeper backstory. I'm not going to get into that on this episode because it'll be fucking long and it's already at 43 minutes. My parents sat me down after I came in from Instacarting early in the morning. Basically, in short, they were like, what's going on? Like, what can we do to help? Do you need to go to therapy? Like, this is not normal. Like, what is going on? And I didn't really answer them. I didn't really have an answer. Like, I knew what the answer was, but I didn't have an answer for them. That was one, I think, going to suffice. And two, that wasn't going to give away all of the craziness that was going on in my head and not put me in a grippy sock vacation. I was like, I'll start therapy. So I went online with my health insurance and saw which ones were covered under my health insurance. And I found one and I made an appointment and I got him fairly quickly, probably like with, by the day I like emailed, she called me like the next day and set up an appointment and I had an appointment that same week. Started that, just went like full throttle into therapy. Like when I got there, I would say for the first two to two and a half months, Every single session, your girl was just crying. Your girl was just going through it, okay? Because again, I was dealing with the Jackson situation and then, you know, all the other general stuff of life and my mental. While I was really in the thick of it and I was still really, really going through it because it was really fresh, I was like, I really think I have this disorder. And I was like, I'm not disorder seeking at all, not in the slightest. So you're probably like, why did you try to self-diagnose? Because I was like, the I think the thing that I told her that stuck out to her and still sticks with me is I am to a point where this is not normal depression. Like this is not, this is not my normal, like blah, sad, it's not normal. I was like, no, I was like, no, something is wrong and I don't know what it is. So I was like, I was like, but something is wrong. And I was like, this sounds like what I, I deal with. So she's like, okay, we'll keep that in mind. I'll make a note of it. And obviously therapists doing therapist things, they're probably analyzing and trying to connect the dots with that the whole time as you go through your sessions before actually giving you like scales and stuff like that. So she gave me scales, she gave me some tests and we go through it and I get diagnosed with that disorder. And let me tell you, I felt more comfortable assuming I had it than getting the actual set diagnosis that I had it. I was like, oh God, okay, I actually have it. And my parents the whole time have kind of been, it's it's like on two ends. So my mom has kind of been like, when I would talk to her, like, oh, like I get through, like, I love seeing my therapist. Like I genuinely am excited and always look forward to seeing her every single week. Like it is probably one of the, the most consistent and most highlighted things in my week. I really enjoy it. And I feel like everybody should enjoy therapy, you know? And I was like, oh my God, like, guess what? I get to see Holly tomorrow. And she's like, mm, yeah, I guess so. Like, that's cool. Or like, oh, why, why, why are you so fond of her? Like, oh, I guess y'all best friends now, huh? And y'all know how black mamas talk. Y'all know when they give you that, like, that condescending voice of like, mm, okay. Like, that's how she would, like, that's how she would talk about it. And she still does sometimes. So that would be her thing. And then when I would talk to her about like my trauma, because my diagnosis, my main diagnosis is heavily based in trauma like that's what it what it forms from on top of you know some other factors she was like oh you don't have trauma oh well let me not disregard what you think is trauma and I'm like you do realize that all of our childhood were mainly trauma like textbook two-thirds 70 percent <laughs> of my childhood was textbook trauma okay 
And, you know, and then I had like, you know, school and bullying and all that sort of stuff that like added on to it. So that didn't make it any better. And then my dad, on the other hand, he's very, he's one, he's a country boy. So there's that. But I think most black families have this like thing where it's like, you don't need therapy. Like you don't have mental health issues. They don't take it seriously. It's like, oh, like you're weak because you're going to therapy. Oh, you're weak because you got a diagnosis. Like you don't really have X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, miss girl, I do. And you're further perpetuating it instead of just leaving me alone. And minding your business. Like, this is why I don't tell y'all nothing. Because y'all be just invalidating everything. Like, just because your mom was mean to you, grandma, doesn't mean I'm going to let you be mean to me and just deal with it. I'm going to go talk to my bestie therapist and we're going to figure it out. My dad was kind of like, you know, he kind of was like, it's great that you're going because I'm glad that it's helping. But also, like, don't forget that, like, at the end of the day, you have to go home with yourself and live your own life. And, you know, she's just one person. Like she's like, she is a neutral party, but also like she doesn't know the ins and outs. Spoiler alert. I tell that girl everything. Okay. I be sending her screenshots live, real time as things are going down. Like she knows everything. So I promise you she knows the ins and outs. But like basically he's kind of like, don't let it cloud from the fact of like at the end of the day, like you make your own happiness, which is true, you know, but like. It's like the toxic, like you make your own happiness, like you can't rely on therapy the whole time. Like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Because it's helping. It's just like, you're strong enough to deal with it on your own. Like, no, you don't have depression. No, you don't have anxiety. You're just wanting to be sad. You're just choosing to be anxious. Just get over it. If you come from a religious family, just pray to God about it. Or like, God will heal you from whatever you're dealing with if you just go to him. And if not, then like you're choosing to let the devil win and it's just like well one babes i'm not religious i was only religious because you forced me to go for 17 years but i got a lot of questions for, for sky daddy up there because this shit doesn't make sense like what he wrote originally and what's out in these streets now are not the same thing they've been translated a bajillion times to make it into what you guys want it to be and this toxic christianity is not for me so i'm just vibing in the wind yeah I'm just existing. So no, I'm not going to go pray about it because what has he done for me except give me mental illness, right? Like if he has created everything and everyone and everything in this world, even the bad guys, even the rapists, even the murderers, because he did create the earth and everything in and on it, even Satan himself, then he created mental illness. He also created therapists. He also created people to explore science and all that jams. So um, for y'all to be like, no, he told me to trust in him. But then he make the people that know the things about science and all these other things like i'm confused two plus two is equaling 18 and i don't understand how okay so my family is also religious we're a christian family and they're all just like you know just pray to god about it god will heal you like god deliver me from my depression no he hasn't love no he hasn't because you still be depressed as fuck but you just want to use your holy oil instead of going to talk to a therapist to figure out what the root cause is of your depression, which probably will lead to a couple of other diagnoses that you don't want to deal with because then your family will look at you and like, you went to therapy? You have depression? No, you don't. That's the devil trying to get in. That is the devil trying to put those things on you and those spirits on you of having these mental illnesses. I rebuke that. No, I rebuke you. Get out of my face. Because again, if Jesus made everything and everyone, then he made these quirks in the system in the matrix just like everything i fucking do is a sin 
So why the fuck do I need to repent for having sex before marriage? If everything, like, literally breathing is a fucking sin at this point. If I go, I go. If I don't, I don't. Who fucking cares? It's really not that deep. How would I know anyway? I'm dead. I'm six feet under. I'm with the worms and the rocks and the sediment. Like, I will die with those diagnoses, you know, private to me. Because they're just going to make fun of it. And then I'm like, oh, so that just means I just have to tiptoe around your feelings all the time. You just, because you just choose to stay sad. I'm not doing that. You just need to suck it up and build a tough skin. I have a tough skin. I've always been told that I'm strong and I'm wise for my age. And, oh, I would have never known you've been through all that because you don't show it. Yeah. So, like, maybe I'm tired of having a fucking thick skin. Maybe I want to be soft. Maybe I want to be vulnerable. Maybe I want to be able to cry and not people look at me like, why are you crying? Like, I don't know what to do with you when you cry. And my mom has literally told me that before. Because, like, I will cry about the fact that, like, I spilled my coffee. But, like, you know, it's not really about the coffee. It's about all the other things that's already on your mind. And the coffee was just, like, the the last straw because you were really excited for that coffee because it was the one thing that was going to, like, keep you going for today, like, to help you make it through and you fucking spilled it. Like, that, like, that sort of thing. And, like, she literally told me one time, like, I don't know what to do with you when you're crying. Like, I don't know why you're crying so much now. Because I am literally on the verge of a grippy sock vacation or going to meet Sky Daddy. But there's such a stigma around mental health and therapy. And I I know it comes from generations of trauma and just be strong. Pray about it. You don't have that. Suck it up. Like, you, you have a roof over your head, food on your plate and clothes on your back oh my goodness like what do you have to be unhappy for there are people who you know don't have any of that or there are people who have parents that don't even care about them or talk about them or you know call them names and treat them bad like you're lucky you know I I could be that parent you know like there are parents that don't like their kids or don't love their kids so like you have more than what other people might have and it's like yeah true everybody does but that doesn't negate from the fact that like what I'm dealing with in my life affects me negatively to the point where like it has changed the way I view myself and I view the world and the chemicals in my brain, like the literal chemicals in my brain. My therapist is like, you have a lot of trauma. She's like, and I know you may not see it as that. And I literally would just look at her and like giggle. Cause I'm just like, when you think about those words and you think about those terms, you're just like, that can't be trauma. Like my mom bullying me and always talking shit about me and always making snide remarks. Like that's not trauma. Like I'm used to it. Like that's just what she is. And it's like, no, that's not normal. Your mom should not be doing that. Your parents should not be doing that. But since that's all you've known, it's normal to you. I try to stand up for myself and get shut down. So then I shut down. So pretty much I just shut down. And I can say like, I if you are a black girl or a black guy or a black they or a black them, I feel for you. And I understand because it's so frustrating to like want to tell somebody what you're going through to help them try to understand more what you're actually dealing with, but knowing that they're not going to try to understand and see it for what it is and how it is and what it exists as and what it looks like for you, but more so try to make you feel like what you have or what you're dealing with isn't valid. Like that fucking sucks. And that's what I deal with every day. Like, I don't choose to have these reckless behaviors of my, my reckless behavior in the symptoms of my diagnosis can be a lot of things. It can be like sex. It can be drugs. It can be, you know, oh, like anything that's reckless and like risky, right? Like there's a whole different array of options that one could do. Mine still happens to be shopping. And 
that's why I'm in so much credit card debt. But I think that also stems from, and she, I told her about it. She's like, that, that kind of makes sense. That like my dad, when we were younger and he was dealing with the things that he was dealing with, would always try to make it up to us with gifts. So he would buy us jewelry or he would buy us this or like whatever we asked for to try to make it for the fact that like he just fucking ruined house and home like two nights ago, you know? And in general, I think his love language is gift giving. But like when I was younger, that was always something he always tried to use to patch up whatever the fuck he fucked up. And so for me, I was like, okay, well, if I want to feel good, I can shop. I know I can, I can go to Ulta. I can spend a good little hundred, $200 and get some new makeup. That'll make me feel pretty when I wear it. And I feel nice, like swiping the card, even though I know that there's going to come a point where it's going to, like, I'm going to crash and I'm going to be like, damn it. I just, you know, I just used up my credit card again and I'm not going to be able to pay it off next month, you know, but like the, it's, it's the push and pull and I still continue to do it to this day. And I'm really trying to pull back, but it's like, how can I explain that to somebody who doesn't understand the root of why I do it? Like I told my dad and he was like, I didn't even know that that was the case when he, they first sent me down in January. I was like, I shop because it makes me feel good. Like it makes me happy. Like if nothing else, aside from like my pets, that makes me happy. I know that is one thing that will consistently make me feel good is hitting that checkout button or getting the things that I've been eyeing and swiping that card. And that also comes from us living, I hate to say the word poor, but that's really what it is. Like I couldn't always have what I wanted. I couldn't always have the new shiny things that the girls had in school. I couldn't always have Tom's or Sperry's or Abercrombie and Fitch or, you know, whatever, because we couldn't afford it. And my mom always like, well, just wait, like it's still going to be there, still going to be at the store. And then that when the time came around, like maybe I could get it, it wasn't there anymore and it was gone. And I would always be just like so crushed. And so I got to this point where it's like, if it's there and I can get it, even if it's with credit, even with, if I'm signing my life away, if I'm writing out my name in blood, like I'm going to get it because who knows if it's going to be there again. And if I can't get it, I'm going to miss out. And that's going to be like so crushing and I'm going to feel bad. I know that I am not my diagnoses, right? They are a part of me, but I am not them. Some days it feels really hard to not feel like I am my diagnoses. Like there are days where you just feel like a walking billboard for your diagnosis. And it's so incredibly frustrating to just feel like you're just existing as a, a example of depression or anxiety or bipolar and there are days where I feel like like my my mental illness is winning like I'll I'll text Holly and I'll be like today is not gonna be a good day like I feel it like I already woke up heavy you know and she'll text me back and she'll be like you know she was like and that's okay like I'm sending love to you and I and I hope your day gets better you know and you know and I'm I'm here if you need me like if you want to text or call or whatever and I'm just like there are days where I literally like I am putting on a mask I'm going through the motions because shit doesn't stop for me. The world doesn't stop for me. I like the world doesn't fucking care. The world is going to keep on spinning and moving and going. And I can either choose to be a part of it or not. But whether or not I do or don't, things are still going to keep happening around me. I still feel like I mask a lot of the time. Like at work, um, everybody can tell like I'm bubbly, like I'm fun. The customers interact with me. Like it's a, for all intents and purposes, like I'm a great employee right I have my days where I come in and I'm kind of down but I generally try to I really try hard to push past it and pick it up because I hate people asking me questions like Mars are you okay are my customers like hey how you doing are you sure you sure you're good when I answer that question like I'm not gonna divulge my life story to you when I'm checking out your prescriptions 
Like just take your shit and go. And I'm still struggling to figure out what normal is for me. I still don't have a normal baseline. And I, I don't know if I ever will because I've been burnt out for so long that it feels normal. I've been high functioning and stress and burnout for so long that this feels normal. Like that, like constantly being stressed out, always being on go, never really knowing when to stop until my mind literally forces me to stop. And even then I feel shitty for stopping, but I can't, I, I can't push my, like I'm stuck in neutral and I can't push myself past go anymore. Those are the only times when I feel like I really stop and I'm kind of just like, at that point, I'm heavily dissociating. I also learned that when I got my diagnosis, but I'm just like, oh, so I'm not just zoning out. Like I'm actually <laughs> dissociating. Yikes. And there's also chunks of my former former years that I can't remember. And I know obviously there's a certain point where like you don't start to form memories until a certain age, but like there's a certain point where I'm just like, I can't remember when this started to happen or when I started to feel that way. Like it just kind of happened. Like I've started to realize that in therapy too. Like I don't, there are chunks of my memory that I don't remember either from my mind blocking them out. And I just don't realize that I blocked them out until I'm asked about them or what, but that's also a thing. All in all for this episode, the black community does not help with people wanting to be open and honest about what they're dealing with and what they're going through, even though they preach with every, you know, person that takes their own life or struggles that they're going through that like, people are here for you. Like, we love you. Like, don't be afraid to talk to your friends and family. Don't be afraid to go get help. But it's like, y'all don't make it open and welcoming to want to do so. Because there's, at the end of the day, there's always a stigma. Everybody's going to post for Instagram. Everybody's going to post for Facebook. Like, oh, my door is always open. I always want to talk. But if you're talking about the same topic over and over again, which is my case, because it, it is a constant trigger. I can't get rid of it. People get tired of hearing about it. People are like, oh, this again? If you're not going to fix it or if you're not going to stop your spending ways, you're not going to stop X, Y, and Z. I don't want to hear it. My mother has said this to me. So I'll, like these things that I'm saying, my my mom has said to me. And it's just like, okay, well, now I'm just going to keep it to myself. And if I sulk, I sulk. And when people ask me, like, what's going on? I'm like, just the same old, same old. Same thing I've been, I've been dealing with. There's no point in me bringing it up. It's the same thing. They're going to be like, well, yes, it is if it's bothering you. No, because you've told me multiple times that if I'm not going to try to fix it, or stop doing what I'm doing, then you don't want to hear about it. Here's you for, I'm not going to tell you because it's literally the same thing that you told me to fix, right? So it's like, they don't give the space for you to feel like you will be able to take that step or open up or, or, you know, set that boundary or whatever the case is, because it's always met with like backlash or this kind of like abrasion of like, well, why are you going to therapy? Oh, you don't really have depression, bro. You just want to be sad all the time. Like, bro, my brother got killed in front of me when I was four. And like, I'm fine. No, you're not, babe. You probably have PTSD. You're not fine. But you've been conditioned in our community to be like, okay, but life still goes on. Like, yes, that's shitty. But like that happened 10 years ago. You should be over it. No, I've blocked out parts of my life and I'm dissociating. But like, I still have nightmares about it. Or I'm still like, I it, it still is ingrained in my memory. But people have told me like, I should, I should be over it by now. So I try to tell myself and force myself that I am, even though I'm not like, no babes, you have PTSD. You need to go to therapy. Yeah. You need to go to therapy immediately. And it's an, it's an even deeper and more nuanced thing with men. 
and like just men in general but even black men where it's like you need to be hard you need to be strong you need to be the man of the house you need to be the alpha male one cut the alpha male shit this shit is so annoying disgusting and two men have a much higher rate of suicide than you know than we seem to think because they don't feel like they have the space to share their feelings because they were always taught that for all intents and purposes men don't have feelings you suck it up and you deal with it and you're a man you don't cry you don't have them if they're not like happy or like angry like you don't you don't have any of those nuanced emotions in between which is such a lie and when you try to share those they get shut down almost immediately or you get called a pussy or you get called a sissy or suck it up you don't cry no babe you can cry on my shoulder it's okay it is more than okay I refuse to raise a man who feels like he can't have emotions. And if you dare to call my child a baby or a crybaby because they're literally releasing whatever emotions they feel, get out of my house. For people to tell men and black men that like whatever happens to you only makes you strong. And even with black women like, oh, black women are so strong. I'm tired of being strong. I want to be a damsel in distress. I want to be soft AF. These little white bitches get to be soft. They get to have all the love, all the, I want to be soft. God damn it. I want to be soft too. And men deserve to be soft. Men deserve to have a space, whether it's with family and friends, guy friends or girlfriends, you know, and in romantic relationships where they feel safe enough to be vulnerable. I tweeted this tweet, uh, a couple weeks ago and I got a couple of likes on it and a couple of retweets. And I said, basically, I was like, I will always feel honored if a man ever, even if they don't say it to me. Even if they tell like their friends or their family, like if a man ever says that I make him feel safe or at home or he feels okay enough to really be vulnerable around me, like that's such an honor because these men don't get, I don't think they ever feel safe. I feel like men are always on a constant fight or flight mode, to be quite honest. My ex was a very, a very good prime example of that. Like this man never really truly felt relaxed unless he was around me. Did I stress him out sometimes? Absolutely. <laughs> but he was at his comments. Like he would actually sleep in like deep sleep with me. Like he would be able to, he didn't cry often, but if he did, I, I've seen him cry multiple times. Like he felt like he could do that around me because I gave him the space to be like, it's okay. Like it's, it's literally fine to be a human. I wish that the black community gave both men and women the space to be soft to be vulnerable and to let them sit in that softness and that vulnerability and not be like you you need to be a strong black woman we need to I don't need to uplift shit I don't need to uplift anybody up I can barely uplift my damn self I'm not gonna uplift an entire community because that's what we're expected to do I've been uplifting this country for 500 plus years and I didn't even act to fucking be here I'm not doing that shit no more I'm not and if you don't like it go to hell expeditiously first class because I don't give a fuck and I leave this episode with this point. Mental health is such a terrible stigma and it's even worse in black communities and communities of color. Do not be that person to just further hammer the nail into the coffin of why people don't get the necessary steps of help that they need to heal because everybody deserves to heal. I'm healing. Healing is going to take God knows how long. I barely scratched the surface of what the hell is going on in my life from childhood and to romantic relationships to the Jackson situation to even more recent things and things I deal with every fucking week, like being berated at work about shit that I can't fucking fix because I'm not insurance, right? 
Like, don't be that person. If you don't believe that you need it, that's cool. But that's not to say that your friend doesn't. Like, just like with religion and a bunch of, like, don't. You can have your beliefs, but there's a line in the sand where those beliefs stay with you and you allow other people to have theirs and you don't try to push yours upon them because you feel like that's correct. It's correct to you in your world. And in your world, that's cool because it's your world. You live it, you direct it, you you see it however you want to see it. But you're, you're not in their world. You're not the main character in their world. So it's not fair for you to push that upon them because in your world, that's Bible. Like that's truth because it may not be that way to them. So for you, you have to be there and listen and understand. And you might even learn something in the process and you might even change up your rule book in the process. And that's a wonderful thing. I love mental health. I hate mental health. I'm going through it. Mental illness is not bad. It is not who you are. It is a part of you. But some days it might be who you are and that's okay. Because you can't win every battle. And sometimes you just got to feel. If anything, just fucking feel. And if the feels last a couple days, they last a couple days. And if you feel like they're going a little bit longer than they should, seek out therapy. Or call your therapist if you're already in therapy. Or if you don't want to do that because you can't afford it. Because it is, it is a huge barrier for, you know, a lot of people in a lot of communities. Call a friend. Like, a trusted friend. If nothing else, I got my best friend, Bella. Right? And then Bella, if you're listening to this episode, hey, I love you. I can't wait to see you next month because we really need to get together because I haven't seen you in two years and I'm literally going to cry. That is today's episode on mental health in the black community. Have gone to mental health with a little bit of black community, but nevertheless, a story of mental health and my mental health journey and where I am. And I will probably again have updates and episodes on my mental health and new things that I learned along the way and all that sort of stuff. Don't forget to follow me on all of my socials, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter is Mars CEO, M-A-R-S-T-H-E-C-E-O. I hope you have the day that you deserve and I will see y'all next week. Bye.